Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Tuesday morning, very interesting that Ryan would bring up the New Orleans Saints. Of course, Ryan's a Super Bowl champion that played for the Steelers, but he makes his home down there in the bayou in Louisiana. He's always got his finger on the pulse of the Saints, who right now sit in the top spot in the NFC. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests, including Paul Feinbaum, here just hours before the first college football playoff top 25 ranking reveal will join us in 10 minutes. If you had been joining us in the last hour, you may have heard Key's Real Rankings. It's a weekly little segment we do where Key ranks the top teams in the NFL. It's a little head-spinning edition today because Key always goes top seven, but he broke the rules. They're always telling us, break the rules, right? Key went with a 3A and a 3B, so it was really a top seven made into a top eight. His 3A was Seattle. His 3B was the Saints, Notable, obviously, his top two, Pittsburgh and Kansas City. So Key's top-ranked NFC team was the Saints. But coming off last night's performance, you got to start wondering, are the Saints thinking about the Rams? Are they still thinking about maybe Brady finally getting one over on them? Are they thinking about Russell Wilson? Are they thinking about Aaron Rodgers? Who is the one team, the top team in the NFC, doesn't want to face Key when it matters the most in the postseason? I think it's the Rams. I think that's who the Saints would would. I mean, they obviously would love to play them and get revenge from a couple of years ago when, you know, the pass interference that wasn't, and they went ahead and went to the Super Bowl for that. Um, but I think I think it's the, I think it's the Rams. Sean McVay's three and one since becoming the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams against Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints. And so even when you look at my real rankings, it's not based on the records. It's based on what I see and how those teams are playing that day and at that moment. It, can they beat that team that's in front of them or behind them? You know, so it's like when I see the Rams last night, so much was made of Tampa Bay and that offense and all the pretty names and all the different things that come with that. But when I look at the Rams and that defense, they took care of business. They handed they, – they, you know, even, even with the catches that Antonio Brown had as well as Mike Evans, it wasn't impactful. Mike Evans wasn't – it wasn't like it just took over the game. And, and so the numbers were not glaring. They were not gaudy. It was just like, okay, they're catching a bunch of five-yard passes. We'll give them that all day long. The Rams knew that. And then on the offensive side, as long as Jared Goff doesn't turn into a pumpkin, <laughs> then I think that the Rams offensively will continue to move because every now and then he'll do some head-scratching stuff that will make you go, man, what the hell are you doing? Right. What are you doing? You know better than this. I mean, it's just like the screen. He didn't he didn't see JPP, but he wound up throwing the screen a pick. And then somebody, they text me, they go, this dude threw a pick to a dude that was messing around with firecrackers. Right. Like, what, like hello? And that's how you think about Jared Goff. As long as he doesn't turn the ball over, the Rams will be in perfect shape to take on New Orleans in an NFC Championship game. Jay, before we get to your thoughts, just a reminder for those that don't recall, JPP, Jason Pierre, Paul, fearsome member of the Bucks defense. And yes, he did have a uh, fireworks mishap uh, <laughs> right around the July 4th holiday a few years ago. It was very serious, actually, but he's bounced back in a very big way. But that is a very good example of one thing Goff needs to work on. But it may not be much after last night. 39 for 51, 376, three touchdowns, Cooper Cup, 11 grabs, Robert Woods, 10 grabs, and we thought Brady was the quarterback that was going to have the pass catchers on his side last night. Want to quickly mention who's the one team the Saints don't want to face in the playoffs? Key's pretty clear. 
He has chosen the Rams. We want to hear from you on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Or if it's easier, take out the phone, KeyJNZ on Twitter. Who's the one team the Saints don't want to face in the playoffs? We got Key's answer. We want your answer. Jay, what's your answer? Well, first off, Key, there's no need for the JPP slight. He was a giant during that time. Still troubled memories for myself. Wanted to say that. Uh, Moving on from that. I, I would say that, look, I'm with you on the Rams. We, we've talked about mostly the consistency of Jared Goff would be the answer. Last night, he looked really good down the stretch. Uh, the, only, the only other team, like Seattle's defense, I don't trust. Tampa Bay, they're there. But, I mean, we saw what happened last night, and we've seen what happens against the Saints. The Saints just dominate them. But it would have to be Green Bay just because of Aaron Rodgers. And, and, and Key, you and I have talked about this because I've been a huge thing on, you know, who have they played. And I know we can make that narrative for a lot of NFL teams. It just feels like, though, down the stretch, if Aaron Rodgers with the weapons he's been able to have. And I know MBS has gone through some, um, some pretty horrible uh, texts and, and, and threats from people concerning that last game against the Colts. And I know that the Colts defense shut them down to only three points in the second half. But still, you would have to bet some money on Aaron Rodgers just because his ability to make magic happen. And with Devontae Adams and company, with the way they play, with how they can put up points, they would have to be a formidable opponent as well for the Saints. When you think about it, fellas, it simply just comes down to this. The group is very, very small. I think yesterday's question was, who is the one team that the Chiefs don't want to face? And there was a lot of people that weighed in with Pittsburgh, and there were some people like Key that weighed in with the Raiders, I think this group is a little bit larger because, to Jay's point, you get Aaron Rodgers on the right day. Yeah, sure, he doesn't wasn't great on Sunday, but you get him on the right day, Green Bay's as potent as anybody. You get Russell Wilson from the first five games of this season when the Seahawks went 5-0 and for the first time in franchise history, they're capable of beating anybody. I mean, honestly, you just take out the NFC East winner, and I think the Saints would be wise the to NFC be... <laughs> right? You mean my Giants? <laughs> Your Giants from 1-7 and seven <laughs> to the playoffs. But I think there's a, there's a handful of teams here that could really do some damage. I, I guess I guess at this point, I guess I would have to, even though you've said it takes a lot to beat a team three times, I guess at this particular point, after looking at the sample size, I probably would have to take the Bucks out of it at this point. Well, yeah, look, I, you, you do have to take the Bucks out. I don't think, and I, ne- I was one that never thought that the Bucks were just this super team that was like going to just roll through everybody just because Tom Brady left New England and went to Tampa and Gronkowski came with them. I understand the sexiness of it. I understand how people get excited about those things, Zubin, but so much has to gel and come together in a short period of time for you to be effective where the New Orleans Saints, they've been together the entire time. There was no change there. They didn't lose anything dramatic. They didn't gain anything dramatic. It's like, okay, we got Malcolm Jenkins over from the Philadelphia Eagles, but, okay, he's been here before. He knows our system. He knows what we're about. Same thing with the Rams. There was nothing There was nothing glaring changes that went on, right? They, the, 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 the majority of their players were intact. Seattle's players, the majority of those guys were intact. Mid-year, they go out and they get a Jamal Adams. They go out and get... Uh, a um, a Dunlap, Carlos Dunlap, but they're starting to get into the fold, as you can clearly see, against the Arizona Cardinals. They took care of business. Now they're in it. They're in the rhythm. They understand how to walk in the building, what what freeway to drive on. There's no mystery, no, no mystery there now. And so when you look at that, that's why I got those type of teams at the top of the heat.
And then when you talk about Kansas City on that side of the track with the AFC, the reason I say the Raiders is because the Raiders know them. It's the division. I understand what your tendencies are. You could easily say Pittsburgh because they're a really good football team and they're well-coached and they're undefeated. Outside of that, Tennessee's and Baltimore's and, 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 and the Buffalo Bills and Cleveland Browns, you know, they may make the playoffs, but they're not going to do any. They're not going to make any noise. Let's hear from the fellas. Here we go. I asked you to weigh in, and you guys have called up. Spencer in Missouri, you're on ESPN Radio. Who's the one team the Saints don't want to see? Hey, guys, I love the show. I listen every morning. Thank you. Um, I think with the way the Saints are generating pressure right now, I'm not too concerned about the Rams because if you take away the run, I have zero faith in Jared Goff to keep dropping back and handle the pressure. But Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, he he can get through his progressions a lot faster and his reads. And, I mean, he's just a bad man. You guys know what he can do. Um, I'd say that's the team that I'm most intimidated by as a Saints fan. Thank Thanks. you very much, Ernie. In Nashville, you're on ESPN Radio, the one team the Saints don't want to see when it matters the most, the playoffs. Yes, hey, guys. Love the show. I think Zubin should wear a referee shirt most of the time with Keyshawn and Jay Will. <laughs> I think that uh, I think, they should, I think Keyshawn is spot on. First of all, yesterday the Bucks defense back in the day shut everybody down. Second of all, I think the Seahawks are the ones. They're starting to roll, getting back to Seahawks. Let's run the ball. Let's run the ball. When Chris Carson gets healthy, and also the defense is starting to gel, Jamal Adams, like you said, Dunlap, and you also had those stud middle linebackers. So I think those guys are right prime for the picking, and you still have Russell Wilson. So, uh, I, I, You know, when you look at it, though, much like you said, Zubin, it's a couple teams. Aaron Rodgers is there, but – it's almost like I feel like if Devontae Adams for some reason doesn't play in that game or doesn't feel good in that game, and now all of a sudden he has to rely on other people, when Devontae Adams is on the field, Aaron Rodgers is a different dude. When he's off the field, his work is harder. He's been able to deliver at times, but hmm. it just it becomes a little harder for him. Plus, I don't trust their defense. I just don't. I think they got a, a, a subpar defense, nothing special. Where Seattle's defense, you can tell they're starting. They're gonna play better. Pete Carroll and Ken Norton Jr. is not gonna allow that defense to just suffer. And then the Rams, Jared Goff. Again, if you just don't allow him to screw it up, the Rams will be on their way. There's no doubt about it. Good opportunity. And then, guess who Seattle plays? I was gonna say, Zubin. Guess who Seattle plays? So their last couple games, they pretty much play the entire NFC East. They play the Eagles, the Giants. Washington football team. Then they have a matchup versus the Rams. And then they have the 49ers. So still, I mean, they can find a lot of momentum defensively going into this last part of the season and continue to gel. I'm kind of I'm leaning a little bit towards what Ernie from Nashville was talking about. I'm hearing him. Both of the guys made great points. And by the way, if I put on that referee uniform, great opportunity for a Foot Locker sponsorship. So if they're listening, we're ready to go. That's if anybody ever goes back to the mall anymore. I know we're all ordering things now. Online. Let's go from A to Z, and then the voice of college football is going to be. From A to Z, brought to you by Dell. Big news from Dell Technologies. Black Friday is here with deals up to 50% off small business computers with Intel Core processors to give your business an edge. Call 877-ASK-DELL or visit dell.com slash Friday. One of the world's most well-known athletes is stepping back 
into his sport. Last time we heard from Conor McGregor, he said he was done. He was retired. But now it's official. He's going to fight Dustin Poirier at UFC 257. The fight's going to be at 155 pounds, according to our MMA insider, Ariel Helwani. The one thing Ariel and nobody knows right now is the location where it's going to be held, though UFC President Dana White has hinted to our Brett Okamoto that it's probably going to be on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi if, quote, everything according the plans goes the way they want. Clearly not going to be here stateside, but they have been a huge success on Fight Island. It has been a tremendous success for UFC, so we'll probably see it there again, as they say in TV and radio. Stay tuned. The college football playoff top 25 ranking show. This should be the fourth or fifth show in a normal year, but I think we know this is not a normal year. It's presented by Allstate tonight, 7 Eastern on ESPN. These are the first rankings. And normally, anytime you have a group, no matter what business you're in, thanks to Zoom, everybody should just be staying in their places and talking virtually, even if it's something as important as a college football playoff. But our Heather Dinich has the rationale for why the most important people in this sport the men and women that will determine the four teams that will compete for the national championship are bypassing that and why instead, even in the age of COVID in 2020, they are meeting in person. The College Football Playoff Selection Committee is continuing to meet in person this year because they believe that being in the same room together, even though they're going to be at least six feet apart and wearing masks, will continue to foster the best discussions and debates about the top 25 teams in the country. When they meet, they meet all day on Monday for sometimes up to 10 hours. Then they meet at least half the day on Tuesday. And while it's certainly not impossible to do that on Zoom or video conference, and they might eventually have to shift to that, they prefer to do this because they feel like they have created the safest bubble possible at the Gaylord Texan Resort. And that's where all the big decisions are made down there in Texas. I should mention Gary Barta, who is the chairman of the College Football Playoff Committee, is 57 years old. He's the athletic director at Iowa. And you know what they say with this virus around the age of 60. Let's bring in Paul Feinbaum. He joins us this morning on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. First things first, with the rankings unveiled tonight, thanks to the committee, at least part one, what's the biggest thing you're looking forward to seeing? I'm looking for where is Cincinnati, uh, and because you know we we spend so much time Zubin talking about the group of five, uh, and you know do, will they have any chance whatsoever? We'll we'll get a clue tonight. I don't know how much of one, and and, and we all are in debt by the way to the committee for working so hard and being in the same room. And and I say that somewhat jokingly, Zubin, because tonight's ranking, as much as we all want to see them, won't really determine very much. Uh, people will wonder, where is Florida? really doesn't matter where Florida is for this reason. They'll play Alabama in a couple of weeks. They beat Alabama. They're in the playoffs. So, you know, that's an interesting one. Texas A&M is, is on the outside looking in with no clear pass. So Texas A&M fans are going to be watching very closely. I think Northwestern fans are curious. So what did uh, the committee think of our big win over the weekend over Wisconsin? And, uh, and other than that, I mean, Alabama is going to be number one. Notre Dame likely would be number two. And we'll probably see Ohio State and Clemson. That would be a big surprise, won't it? Indeed. Great, Paul. Let's get to the juicy stuff. What is your take on Dabo Sweeney's comments as using like as COVID as an excuse for Florida State canceling their game against Clemson? Yeah, this is a confusing one for, for many respects because uh, for those who don't know the backstory, uh, they had a player on, on the plane, a Clemson player, 
Jay Will, who had shown some symptoms all week, but had continued to pass, uh, test negative. And then when they got down there to Tallahassee over the weekend on Friday, uh, they found out that he was testing positive. So what's disturbing about this is there, there was a lack of leadership involved in the decision. Uh, the, the medical staffs of Florida State and Clemson apparently were at the negotiating table Saturday morning, hours before the game. Uh, where was the ACC? It seems like this should have been a conference decision. Instead, they left it up to the individual teams, and, and Florida State said, you know, we, we, don't feel, we don't feel comfortable, and Dabo went, went crazy yesterday. Uh, and and you know, some of what he said was justified. Uh, they, they spent $300,000 going down there. They were ready to play a game, and they needed that game. And by the way, they were going to win that game by four touchdowns. So Clemson came out of there without a, 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 a win against Florida State, which may impress someone right now, although I can't imagine it impresses anyone who follows college football closely. Paul, the college football rankings will be unveiled tonight. Who should be in the top four? Who do we think is going to be in the top four? Well, I, I don't think there's any doubt Alabama is going to end up number one. And, and I think Notre Dame, uh, based on its win over Clemson in overtime, albeit without Trevor Lawrence, is, is probably at the number two position. I think uh, Ohio State will, will be a shaky third because of its uh, – Un- underwhelming win over Indiana, and I say underwhelming, Indiana's a very good team, but we expected Ohio State to win by more. After that, it may get tricky. Um, I think Clemson will be number four. There's a chance, chance that, uh, that Texas A&M could sneak in there based on, on schedule. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think uh, the top four or five are going to be very, you know, very hard to figure out. The one thing that I, I always caution and I know uh, this is a big moment uh, in college football in terms of where we are in the season, but there are so many other matchups ahead. I mean, there's very likely going to be a Notre Dame-Clemson matchup and an Alabama-Florida matchup. So we have two, two games remaining at least with, uh, with top six, top seven matchups and, and probably higher key. Yeah. Paul, uh, so many people, so many teams would love to impress the college football committee. BYU tweeted out that they wanted another game, and they said anytime, anytime, any place. And now it appears that they're running from playing the Washington Huskies. What do you make of the entire crazy situation? Well, I mean, they had a schedule that got blown up by COVID, and, and I don't know why they, they wouldn't take that game. Uh, it's not going to prove everything, but at least it will prove that they're willing to do what they said they were going to do. So I, I thought that was a big mistake. I don't know all the, the, the details on why they didn't take it, but if you can get a quality game, take it if you're BYU. I mean, they have been impressive. Uh, they really have. Uh, I mean, they, they opened the season at Navy just completely obliterating uh, the midshipmen, uh, they've had other impressive wins uh, along the way, but you know, they are trying desperately to get attention. And when, you, when you're in that position, you better take whatever you can get. There's three college football programs in the Big Ten. Michigan, Nebraska, Penn State are one seventh and eighth in all-time wins in college football. But for whatever reason, these programs can't seem to get out of their own way. What's the situation there? Well, congratulations to Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and, and, Zoo, and I, I felt for you Saturday night. Oh, I mean, this was uh, an excruciating overtime, double overtime win against your, your, your alma mater. And, uh, it, I mean, that is now the, the definition of where Michigan football is 
celebrating a win on the road against Rutgers. And I think, you correct me, last year was 49 to nothing, 52 to nothing, whatever it was. It was pretty ugly. Um, but, but Rutgers has come a long way under Greg Schiano. Penn State is, is, is just mind-boggling how, how, how James Franklin can be over the season. The one that really concerns me the most is Scott Frost. Do you guys remember three years ago, oh, yeah. Scott Frost was the toast of college football. Uh, he, uh, in, in their mind, he took UCF to a national championship, <laughs> not in anyone else's mind. Um, everybody <laughs> wanted this guy. Florida offered him. Other schools offered him. But he wanted to go back to his alma mater to res- resurrect the echoes of yesterday. And he has been an absolute failure there. Give him another extension. <laughs> oh, well, in college football, that's the way it goes right now, as you well know. It is ironic to think that Nebraska was the first team to essentially say, we want to play. I don't care what the Big Ten thinks, any place, anytime, anywhere. And they have gotten their comeuppance because they actually have gotten on the field. And I think after the results do show, perhaps they should have sat it out the way everybody else wanted to (laughs) earlier on. It is amazing. You're right. He's a legend. He led Nebraska to a national championship as a quarterback. But, boy, they seem as far away from a national championship at the college football playoff as you could possibly B. Paul, thank you so much for joining us this morning, and I'm sure you, I, and many college football fans will be glued to ESPN tonight at 7 Eastern for the rankings reveal. Thank you, Paul. Can't wait. Thanks, Zubin. Right. You got it. One of the all-time greats here, Paul Feinbaum. He is the best. Paul Feinbaum brought to you by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is heating up, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Still to come, the guy who Scott Frost said wasn't good enough to play at Nebraska after family members had been involved with the program, then went on to win a national title and a Heisman Trophy. It's just getting worse for Scott this morning. (laughs) Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Possible overreaction there by Max Kellerman, of course. He played 10 games. He looked dynamite off to the best statistical start for any rookie quarterback in the modern era. But guys have come back from much worse. I mean, let's be honest. The guy on the opposite sideline on Sunday when the Bengals lost that game to the Washington football team was Alex Smith. And he faced a recovery far more daunting than anything that Joe Burrow is facing. But that's not to minimize anything that Joe is undergoing. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Protecting small businesses with specialized coverage for commercial vehicles more at Progressive Commercial. 
Nebraska.com. So I thought we were going to leave Scott Frost in the rearview mirror like most opponents have left Nebraska this season, but we've got to go back to it just one more time. Paul Feinbaum was with us in the last segment, and he essentially said, of all the teams struggling in the Big Ten, the legendary programs, Penn State, who was 0-5 for, for the first time ever. Uh, Michigan. Zero for five. Zero for five. You could go either way. Uh, Michigan barely escaping Rutgers, the all-time major wins leader in triple overtime. He thinks Nebraska is in the worst spot. And to just bring it back one more decibel. In the spring of 2018, you know Joe Burrow was at Ohio State, wasn't playing, decided to transfer. We know what happened. Ended up at LSU. Had the greatest single season in college football history from a quarterback passing-wise. Nebraska was in play because Nebraska is where his father, Jim, had played in the 70s. Jim's a longtime coach. His older brother, Dan, had also played at Nebraska. But Burrow has said every time he was asked, does Nebraska have any interest? He's very clipped about this. His response, this is like a Belichick answer. Somebody asks him, is Nebraska interested? Were they ever interested when you were a high school stud in Ohio? No. No. And then Scott Frost doubling down when essentially saying, why wouldn't you offer this legacy an opportunity? Dad, bro played here, four-star kid, great player. Frost's response, you think he's better than what we've got? That's a mic drop moment in the worst possible way, Key. Yeah, oh, Frosty. Frosty bit off more than he could chew at that moment. I just, you know, I, I know Scott a little bit. Scott played with me with the Jets as well as Tampa Bay. He did a great job at UCF. He's in over his head at Nebraska. I understand the Nebraska faithful. They just, you know, he, he did so well, and they didn't want to lose him to like the likes of Florida. Uh, I think maybe LSU might have been in play at the time or something mm-hmm. like that. A couple teams were hovering around Scott Frost becoming the head coach. And Nebraska said, you know what, we're going to get rid of Mike Riley. If this isn't working out for us, I don't care what anybody says. We're going to get our, our guy. And we're going to make him one of the highest paid guys in college football. You think they regret that now, though? You think they sit back and they think for themselves, yeah, we probably should have did that. I mean, I programs like this, they get they get it wrong all the time because they – I understand he went there and he was the guy and all those sort of things. Yep. But, nah, man, you, you, you set the program back. Now you set it back even further. You passed on Joe Burrow. Think about that. And, Jay, before we get your response, just a quick moment of context here. I just want to mention Central Florida, when he took over the program, they were coming off an 0 for. They were an 0 for yeah. 12 type season, 0 for 12, and he eventually took them to an undefeated season. Two so years that's quite, later. Right, quite the turnaround in the span of a small amount of time. But just a little context for those that may be uh, too young to remember Scott Frost playing at Nebraska, Jay, before we get to you here. Scott Frost grew up in Wood River, Nebraska. He played for the legendary Tom Osborne. He started his career like he, Pac-12 guy, then eventually transferred from Stanford to Nebraska, won a split national championship, was coached by his mother and father in high school. You heard me right. His mom was on the staff as a coach. He is a legend in the state of Nebraska to the point where Key said he got a contract extension despite showing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Jay, this is a really tough spot to be. You know what, though, Zubin, I I feel like, look, you can have all those accolades, you can be one of the best ever, but you can also be humble in how you approach 
you know, what your thoughts are on individual recruits. Like you don't need to double down and say, do you see what we have here? You don't need to do that. Like you are Scott Frost. Like, and even though it hasn't panned out for him throughout his course at Nebraska thus far, like this brings me back to a story that Seth Greenberg used to always tell me because Seth Greenberg coached at Virginia Tech. Now, Virginia Tech had one of the ACC's best shooters in Dell Curry. So, of course, guess who wanted to go to Virginia Tech? Steph? Stephen Curry. <laughs> now, Steph wasn't getting the major looks from, you know, D1 college programs around that time. Uh, obviously, he went to Davidson, and, but, you know, Seth Greenberg decided to pass on Stephen Curry. But it's the way you pass. So you can always own a mistake. You just don't have to double down and be like, whoa, you know, he, he's not better than what we have. You don't have to do that. You don't have to validate your own point. It just, your point speaks for itself. It was a mistake. It does happen all the time, Key. We see this all the time in collegiate sports. We see this on professional sports. You know, sometimes you, you, you miss one, but it's the way you miss one. So I think this is a lesson learned for a lot of coaches. Yeah, you can miss a recruit. Just be careful about, you know, how you decide to double down on how you articulate that missing. Yeah, Fro- Frosty, been a, he's been a little arrogant at Nebraska since taking over for Mike Riley. Though. He ran a lot of guys out of the program. Mm-hmm. and it just It's just been Frosty, though. I guess he... They can't touch me. I'm the man. It's Nebraska. I'll do what I want, say what I want, and treat people the way I want to. And in the end, them W's ain't adding up for him. Speaking of W's, they're not adding up for the Hmm. Bengals either without Joe Burrow now moving forward. The win-loss record is really a moot point because clearly he was showing tremendous progress. Key, who was always telling us, you know, wait a couple years before you evaluate a guy. You're saying 10 games in with all the records that he had shattered as a rookie passer the wins and losses might not be there, but you are totally sold on Burrow moving forward despite the nature of this injury. Well, because you could see where he was headed to in his career. I mean, you can, you, there's certain guys like you can look at a Daniel Jones, for instance, from New York Giants, and you look at him, you go, well, I don't really know. But when you look at Joe Burrow, there's something there. Justin Herbert, there's something there that tells you, oh, okay, oh, all I got to do is put some pieces around him and it's going to work out the way it's supposed to. There's a couple problems that's that could occur here though. If 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 it's, you know, you think about it. Joe Burrow's injury is one, but what happens to the coaching staff after this year? Given the fact that last year they they, you know, they take over, they, Ryan Finley's the quarterback, they try him out for several games and they draft Joe Burrow, they're not winning at the clip that people probably think they should be winning at. So maybe they go in a different direction from Zach Taylor. I personally probably wouldn't, but if Joe Burrow's not going to be there next year for you, then you might as well take a look at somebody else that can get Joe Burrow two years from now and kind of get him up to speed. Because if you if you think about it, if Zach Taylor is somewhat on the, I don't know, I don't want to say on the hot seat, but if the, the, the organization is thinking about, okay, putting them on notice – and then Joe Burrow's not there next year for him, would you going to just waste that year? I would just try to get me a new staff, get a new coach in there to kind of get his program going. And then when Joe comes back, I can insert him into the program. Jay, Zach is 421 and 1. 421 and 1. Huh. Well, you could add some more. The record speaks. Add some more L's on to that 21. With Finley. With the rest exactly. of the games they got on there this year. Exactly, Keith. No question. Exactly. I, I was going to say, look, I, I, he's going to get a bye 
the rest of this year. He's going to get a pass. I mean, that's just the reality of the of the matter. Considering you lose Joe Burrow, yeah, you know, I think you you see, you evaluate you evaluate him based upon how he does in the draft. If they now if they get a top two draft pick and they end up changing uh, trading that and getting a ton of assets. You might look at Zach Taylor a little bit differently next year, depending upon him and Duke Tobin, how they decide to operate uh, the player and head of personnel. But, uh, you know, look, obviously it, it feels like it's trending in that direction. But Zubin, I did want to go back to one thing that happened with Joe Burrow. I, the ACL, the MCL, that doesn't bother me. I guess the question I have is what does it what does structural issues mean? Like, it, it, That's where I want to dig a little bit deeper. Alex Smith did come back. And he is having a great couple of games. Now, is that sustainable? That's a question we all ask ourselves because we know that it takes one wrong hit for Alex Smith. I know it's a lot for a lot of QBs, but especially for Alex Smith, considering his history of injuries and the you know uh, surgeries that he's had to get done. So when I go back to Joe Burrow, structural issues, I guess, what does that mean? Um, I'm not sure the franchise is going to divulge that information, uh, disclose that to the public. But, you know, then you start getting into how durable is Joe Burrow moving forward. And that's something that you have to factor into how you evaluate not only Zach Taylor, but Duke Tobin as well and the entire Bengals franchise moving forward. No question. Tobin has done a great job drafting players over the years for sure. And the drafting of Burrow is another feather in his cap, but they need a ton of help. Uh, Key, real quick, let's win and lost this. Give me a WLWL. Real quick here on the Bengals' remaining schedule. Loss. Rem- reminding us that Zach Taylor is 421-1. Let's make that 422-1. Oh, nice. Okay, no. First up, uh, they will uh, host the Giants. Loss. Okay, they'll be Loss. at Miami. Loss. They will host the Cowboys. Loss. Uh, this one, uh, they'll host the Steelers. Loss. Okay, you hesitated more on that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, they'll be, Loss. They'll be in Houston. Loss. They and, won't win a game the rest of the year. Man, they was even with Joe Burrow, they probably won't go win a game the rest of the year. That's fair I mean, enough. they may have had a shot at the Giants. <sighs> Maybe, but then the Giants are fighting to win the division after starting off 1-7. and seven. Right. He reminding me of that when I said it was impossible that they could do it. By the way, the Korean baseball season has come to an end. We've crowned a champion. The NC Dinos have won it. Full coverage on sports. No, I'm just kidding, just kidding about that. They have won <laughs> the championship. You never know. We're following everything over on Sports Center. The best chance to win, by the way, percentage-wise, according to the Football Power Index, if they're going to squeak one out there, is against the Cowboys. They have a 56% chance to win. So the Football Power but Index. But was that before or after the Joe Burrow incident? I would presume this is after, since it's been 24 to 48 hours. We update these numbers all the time. Because Andy Dalton is back in the saddle now. That's true. Revenge time. That's true, against his former mm-hmm. team. That's a great, great point. That'll be a good storyline to follow when the Bengals take on the Cowboys. On the way is Thursday, the Steelers' last best chance to finally lose. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. 
You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. The voice of Booger McFarland, and you could probably intimate that the voice of Mike Tomlin will probably be saying that as well. It's a short week. It's been a long week in some other ways for the Ravens coming off yet another loss. They got Pittsburgh in the third of three on Thanksgiving night, and uh, we are certainly giving thanks for more football. That tradition started in 2006, having that night game, and it'll be the NFL's best recent rivalry renewed. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. So it's time to decide what to do here with Lamar Jackson. Obviously, you have a little bit of time. There's been slight regression for the first time in his still young career. He's hit a patch of adversity, that's for sure. The Ravens are on the outside looking in for the playoffs right now, believe it or not. Earlier this morning, NFL insider Dan Graziano was on the show, and he hedged a little bit while trying to explain what the Ravens might do with regards to making Lamar the next big, 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 big money quarterback. Well, no, which is probably why the Ravens will want to do an extension this offseason and Lamar won't, right? Because he's not, he would have rather done it last year, but he wasn't allowed by rule. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's, it's the kind of thing that they'll probably want to see one more. Look, the Ravens, they believe in him. It's just a matter of when the deal is done. Look, so people know. You say uh, he's eligible for an extension. The rule is you cannot do an extension on a rookie contract until you've finished the third year. He's in his third year, but they still have him for a fourth year and they have a fifth year option for him for 2022. So while they can do an extension this coming off season, they don't have to. And if, if both parties aren't aligned on what it should be, then there's really no reason to think it won't float into next year and beyond. But yeah, he's, he's not in the best uh, bargaining position coming off of this year. Uh, so the Ravens may, may prefer to try and start those conversations. I don't know how far they'll get. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. Key, I never want to pin anything on one game because you've told me before it's just one game. The guy's career is still young. But after the recent skid they've been on, they're heading to play their division rival on a short week in a game they've got to have, considering I said they're still on the outside looking in. What is on the line for Lamar and the Ravens on Thursday night? Well, it's the playoffs, obviously, right? I mean, if they get bounced by Pittsburgh or they lose to Pittsburgh Thursday night, then things tighten up for them. They're in the eighth seat right now, and they may drop a seat, you know, drop, I don't know, a, a spot or two. Uh, it's not completely over with, but it starts to look real dark for them. And I don't think that they envision themselves after coming up for 14-2 and two season, uh, making it a, a second playoff appearance for Lamar Jackson, that they would be in this position. But Ingram is out, and so is Dobbs. So mm-hmm. when you look at the two backs, their lead backs that are not in this game, what does that do to the offense that's already struggling? Right, and you think about it from a quarterback's perspective, a young guy to not have Dobbins, to not have somebody uh, like Ingram out there. Jay, it does say a lot. They've got to lean on their defense, which is something over the course of time they have really have been able to rely on, and it's been quite fruitful for them. Well, Calais Campbell and company, I mean, look, they, they definitely have made the investment in their defense. We've talked about this multiple times. Um, but at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson just has to be great in order for them, them to make the playoffs. It is, um, you know, look, this is the former MVP. And I know we had this conversation before. 
I know the game is different key and how he was able to get a lot of those incredible stats. But now is a huge opportunity for him to try to persevere through adversity. This is the first time I think he's faced adversity at the professional level. And is there slightly a lack of maturity with the way he's been able to handle a couple of things within front of the press? Yes. Uh, But this is a growing opportunity for Lamar Jackson. And I think right now, look, he's going to be their quarterback of the future. Obviously, the Ravens, I think they're going to be on board with having him, you know, be there for the future. Like, Like Dan said, they will probably pay him after next year. But he's going to have to go out and take it. And I think Lamar Jackson can do it. Um, it's just going to be an uphill battle. It, you know, he certainly has the ability to be a phenomenal quarterback. But I think that they are, to a degree, stunting his growth at the position because they have not yet surrounded him around with great talent at the skill position. And what I mean by that is Hollywood Brown is a good receiver, but he's not a an alpha dog. He's not that Mike Evans that we saw last night. He's not that guy. He's not that Robert Woods that we saw last night. And so until they get somebody like that to help him, one or two guys, then this is the offense that you're going to see. He has to have somebody to help him grow. He, he just That's just the way it is. You can't depend on solely a tight end. He's got to be able to throw the balls outside the numbers. He's just got to be able to do those things and not just inside the numbers to the tight ends. And until then, they're going to be in the situation that they're in now. There's no question about it. We should mention for those that aren't aware, they're not going to have Ingram and J.K. Dobbins there due to coronavirus concerns. After this big one on Thanksgiving against the Ravens, we'll see what happens. you got the Washington football team, Buffalo, the Bengals, the Colts, and Browns on the way to perfection. Tom Brady, anything but perfect last night. That's next. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. 